Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando, episode 206. Actually, 207. I, I lost track. I'm reading. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I have to do half the time on this, uh, on this podcast. And I remember, this is, it's like an old shtick. And it's not really a shtick. I just think I have some sort of uh, early Alzheimer's. Is that my, my former co-host... I'd always ask him at the beginning of every episode, what episode are we on? And I literally would kind of forget. And so I'm looking at my episode catalog and I'm seeing the episode with Bootsy Collins is episode 206. So this is episode 207. <laughs> even though it's, uh, it's all, you know, I, I love it live. So even though there are, uh, I don't want to call it a mistake. That's just me. That's just Brandon. That's just how it works. Brando, uh, welcome to the podcast. And, I, I'm so excited to have this today's guest. Uh, I, I don't even like saying guest half the time. Just uh, someone who's allowed me some time to chat about their life because we're not just I'm interested in it. You know, uh, obviously this podcast has survived and we've gained uh, international news with some of our inter- interviews, including the person who helped me set up this interview, uh, Miss Roberta Freeman, who's been on the show a, a few times uh, once by herself, and that's when we kind of bonded about both being Jewish. And mm-hmm. came on with both. Uh, she kind of co-hosted Teddy Zigzag. Kind of both uh, co-interviewed Teddy. And last time we had a really big, uh, important conversation. I, and I love the feedback from my listeners about Black Lives Matter. And she was really honest about her her feelings and, and getting that across. And I I took that as an opportunity personally to learn and to listen and try to siphon through you know my own you know my own uh, prism and everyone because everyone has it. So uh, but today. Uh, last time, I, Tracy, I wish I was in studio for this. It's the first time I was in, in studio with uh, Roberta Freeman. I had it queued up, the sound. Everyone quotes it. Every time Tracy Amos is mentioned or Roberta Freeman, you know, uh, it, <laughs> with us is Tracy and Roberta. They'll help you. They know the words, you know. It's on the, mm-hmm. the, the, the live album. And I wish I had that queued up to introduce you right now. So you just have my terrible. Uh, rambling intro, uh, Tracy Amos. <laughs> You're forgiven, no problem. <laughs> Welcome to the Appetite for Distortion program. It's um, thank this is you. Really cool. uh, it's it's nice to see you. Um, we haven't decided at this moment if we're going to put it out as a, a Zoom or an, an audio. We'll see. Uh, but it's just nice. It, that's how I'm recording now. Regardless, it's mm-hmm. I think it's it's a nice. It's a very very small silver lining of the this horrible thing that's been going on in the world that. People are connecting this way instead of just texting or, you know, people want interaction as much as close as they can get it. And Zoom seems to be the closest. So if I can ask just, you know, where are you now? How are you doing? I hope your family's okay. I hope everything's all right in your your land, first and foremost. Yes, I'm here in Redondo Beach, California, and everything's fine. My family's doing well. It's actually such a crazy time, but I'm using the time to do what really is close to my heart, which is 
different projects to help people during this period. Yeah. Like what? Like what do you? Uh, what do I'm you focused on? actually on on two things. One is disinfecting and hand sanitizer. There's a technology I've been working for many years actually in new technologies. So it's wow. a really incredible technology to protect surfaces and to protect to protect hands for long periods of time. So instead of like a regular hand sanitizer that you put on and just kills or a disinfectant that just kills germs, it actually kills for a long, long, long period of time. So up to, up to a month on certain surfaces, three months on other surfaces. So that surface kills germs as they land on it after that. So I'm working on helping a lot of large corporations get those, those products into their hands. And the other thing I'm working on is I'm working with a group of people to help kids that are becoming um, basically lost in this process. You know, a lot of them, their parents still can work, but they don't have any school to go to. A lot of problems are going on with food and with homelessness and, you know, someone supervising kids. So we're trying to figure out plans for that as well. That is, that is incredible. I mean, a lot of people don't put their money where their mouth is and they just, you know, they'll, they'll hashtag something, but you are, well, you are on the, the front lines. You're putting your boots to the ground. How did you get into this? Because a, a lot of people, of course, want to kind of catch up with you. Uh, you know, we, we have this, I, I have this Guns N' Roses centric podcast, but I kind of, and I love how my listeners uh, go along with me. It's not talking about, you know, this guitar solo is great for an hour. <laughs> We have those episodes, sure, but we'll take, you know, someone in the GNR world and we'll expand it to something that affects us all. So this obviously affects us all. And, you know, as, you know, as GNR topics uh, come up and we like, oh, what happened to Tracy and Roberta? And we, we, we love them, that illusion era. And we're talking about reunions and all that stuff. And people want to know what you've been up to. So we've caught up with, uh, with Roberta, of course. Uh, so how did you, is this something new that you've, or did you feel like you uh, during because of the the pandemic, or is this something you've been working on for a while? Well, basically, in my in my life path, I would call it. You know, I was yeah. always a musician, but when I went into becoming a musician in the very beginning, and I decided to do it as a career path and not as a musician just for myself and my family and for fun, I decided to make it as a career path because I really wanted to impact people's lives. So that's always been a precedent for me with my artistry, my songs that I write, everything I do in my, in my, my life. Right. And so, um, as I grew older, I knew that after I, you know, did a lot with music, I would want to go into the actual physical service or to open up companies that would help people or somehow participate. When I was young, I was just trying to figure it out. I knew that was in my heart, you know? And so, um, GNR, was amazing. It opened up my eyes to so many things. Like, you know, it wasn't just amazing to be part of that history and that amazing band, but it was amazing to see the world. It was the first time I traveled a little bit was, but it was the first time I had traveled the world. And I also met my husband on that tour. And wow. I had two children from my husband that I met on that tour. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so life evolved, uh, and as life, life journey, evolved, like I you said it, my yeah. Oh, well, that that's 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 beautiful. I mean, uh, I'm going to ask again at the end: Is there a like what specific sites can we go to that we can want to participate? Because uh, you know, we 
you know, it's, we have a great community of, of fans and it's not just, again, the music, it's, it's the people who want yeah. to help out. So uh, I'll ask again at the end, but where, okay. you know, can you point us in the right direction of where we can go right now to, to help or, or to learn? Yeah, you can go to servicemed.com to learn about the, the disinfectants. That's S-E-S-E-S-E-R-V-I-S-M-E-D dot U-S is actually what it really is. I'll send you the link for that. Okay. And then there's several organizations that are working. One of them is working with the government and the other ones that you could actually participate in. I'll get you the ones that will help. Like if you could want to donate or in your area, want to bring in some type of um, support to the kids in your area. There's like a network of people helping the kids. So I'll have to send you the links to different organizations that we are working with. Great. And I'll put those on on social media. Absolutely. And put links in the the episode summary and all that, that fun stuff. Uh, So that kind of leads me to think, do you, do you love uh, Axel tweeting about, you know, wearing your mask and anti you know, we don't have to go too political, but, you know, is, since you're so involved, uh, do you like seeing people? It, it's a conversation I know that's been had it over and over again. People, whether it's one side, like it's Ted Nugent, or if it's Axl Rose, or Bruce Springsteen, or if it's the guy from Trapped that apparently just sold 600 copies, 600 copies of the new record. Mm. Uh, good? I don't know. Uh, mm. do you, do you, uh, <laughs> you're using your platform, which is great. But you're also not out there, it seems. And yeah, I need, I want, I'm thinking about using it more. And when I think about people using their platforms, like that's such a good question. I, I really am one of the type of people, some people say I'm a musician or I'm famous or I'm whatever, I'm a, a sports, you know, a professional. And they say, you know, I'm not a role model, but I really believe role model or not, you are in an influential position. And, and with that benefit, and that platform, you really should do as much as you can with social change. I've been doing it on more on the back of, side of everything because I had kids and I was raising my kids and I was getting into understanding all these things and working on all these things. Now my kids are grown and I'm ready to go. So you'll be seeing more out there okay. about it with my face on it. But I've been just active, you know, as a person doing it more than on a platform. But I think when anyone, when, when people use their platforms just to incite, I don't like that. But when people use their platforms to teach or enhance and bring awareness, like what Duff was doing, mm. um, I really appreciate that. Agreed. Uh, do you ever reach out to, to Duff or any of the old guys? And whether it's, we don't have to necessarily say reminisce about, like I'm sure you all are, are not <laughs> reminiscing because you get asked that in interviews all the time. But just to talk about, no, because, yeah, I've interviewed Susan, uh, his wife, a few times, and she, mm-hmm. that my whole family is is wonderful before the pandemic with the Special Olympics. So is that a conversation? Yeah. Because obviously he has a massive platform as well. Yes. I, I, um, I've not talked to, the only person I've seen since the Guns N' Roses days and stayed in touch with has been Roberta, and I've run into Slash a couple times. I ran into Matt one time, and... Mm, that's it. Yeah. All right. So it's more like, it's more like we, we happen to be in the same place at the same time when, when it came to slash and Matt and then with Roberta, we stayed in touch. Is that just kind of life? Like, like this life happening, you know, cause everyone is, I think it's also because I didn't focus on staying more in the music industry. I, 
what I did was I did a lot of commercials and I wrote and sang for like the Rugrats and things like that. Like I did a lot of behind the, the, the movies work, you know, and then I put out my own album and I did, you know, well with that. And I did a little couple specials and blah, blah, blah. But um, then I started working on, in nonprofits and for profits for change where Roberta and the rest of them, they just continued down working and focusing on music. So I okay. think that's probably why I'm not as in, in touch as I could be or was. That makes sense because those are yeah. worlds that exist. And even if they're not in direct contact, I mean, I, when I've talked, spoken to Roberta or when I was fortunate enough to interview Gilby, it's like, yeah, they're not working together, but they're in the kind of the same circuits. So they, you know. Exactly. That's why. Exactly. You missed that? Is that something you want to get back to? Like, is there an update? Any, what was the last time you performed? I guess, is that a fair question? Um, yeah, the last time I performed was per my album. When I put out my album, I did a small tour. Who Are We Really? This was the album. And then um, I write songs all the time. I've been in the studio very often. I'm always recording. I just love writing and doing music just because. And so, like I said, I've written for different um, comp- uh, different movies and things like that. As far as the future, I want to do at least two more albums coming up soon. I have all this right. material that I've been working on. And um, I just, well, I really feel like getting back out there. I miss it a lot. Actually, being on stage is one of my favorite places in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Before I, I Nothing quite about- like it. Mm-hmm. Um. I would like to say I know, but I've only had a few moments of going on stage as a stupid radio DJ, but nothing like, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing compared to you seeing the world. No, it's super great what you do. It's it's cool, but still, you know, I'm obviously in radio talking about being a rock star. So <laughs> I'm not going to deny my, my, my rock star dreams are still there. I just don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, before I ask about maybe some of your, your, your great experiences, uh, with GNR, I have to ask this too. What, what Rugrats? I didn't know this. What did you do with with Rugrats? I love <laughs> the Rugrats, Rugrats in Paris. The Rugrats in the Paris. Movie. movie. Wow. Okay. I saw that. Yeah. I've seen the movie. Not in a long time, but I've seen it. That's great. Yeah, I sang a couple songs in that, and I was part of the group of people that was helping to get the music together. So, how did that come about? Uh, I, sorry, I'm, I'm a cartoon guy, and I, I, I maybe I'm the only one who cares about Rugrats, but I'm curious. Also, the, also the wild thornberries if you like cartoons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nigel, I'm Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> My brothers will laugh at that. If they it was so fun. It was so fun. It, I... One of the guys that um, worked with me on my music throughout the years, he does a lot of film scoring. And okay. so that's how that happened. I mean, I was, I did uh, songs and bring it on. Like there's a, a, what do you call it? The cheerleader movies, yeah, yeah, all yeah. kinds of, all kinds of TV and movies. I did some old Navy commercials, all kinds of stuff. And I was offered a lot of tours and I just never wanted to go back on tour. I was offered major record deals also and they just never really fit who I was. I really wanted to put my album out with a major instead of on my own, but they really were kind of wanting me to be this pop girl when I was the rock girl <laughs> and I was the eclectic rock girl on top of that and they didn't get it. And so they're like, but you write all these pretty pop ballads. Cause I write a lot of, a lot of different styles, but that's not who I am when I perform, you know, my artist self is different. 
And so I really wanted to stay true to myself. So I put my own album out <laughs> and I'll that's do it is, again. That's it. I mean, it doesn't get any better as far as we talk about role models. You've really you've done what you wanted to do. You've been successful. You've had opportunities, like great opportunities. You're like, mm, it's not for me. And look at you, you're, you're spending your time helping people now. You know, it's... Well, I mean, it sounds all, you know, that's who I am. I know I'm using... So you're I'm, right. I am, I'm, I'm being with a broad brush. Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of, it's hard when you like come off a tour like that and you're like, I want to, you know, when I was young and I was like, I want to get on stage and do that too. And be in the center of it all. And then you go to the, and you know, you can do it and you go to the record companies and they break your heart. Yeah. You know, and they say, and you know, the record executives like really excited because I have this publisher that's publishing me on from EMI on this side. And then I have this big attorney on the other side that represents all these big, you know, artists. And he's like, Oh, I've always wanted to work with them. And I'm like, what about me, sir? Do you like my songs? Oh yeah, they're good. Uh, do you like my voice? You know what I mean? And I know this guy only wants me to be the pop. And I know this guy only wants me to be rock and they, neither of them care about me. They just want to build their own careers. It's kind of heartbreaking. And that's why I really love GNR. That's why I love rock and roll because rock and roll, we don't compromise. Like you mentioned, you just, you're, um, you're working with, um, who did you just say a minute ago? Went out of my head. Who you just interviewed. Um, Bootsy Collins. Bootsy. Yeah. Funk, they don't compromise. Jazz, yeah. they don't compromise. So that's me. Like, I, that's who I am in my blood. I'm jazz, funk, rock, you know? And we don't, we just got to do what our heart says or we are not able to, like, really be or happy, you know? So I, ha- I really don't have much choice but to go with my own, my own soul. <laughs> Again, on a smaller <laughs> scale, I think I understand. While I never, <laughs> as, a, as a radio personality, I've been... Those guys who talk for twenty, uh, thirty seconds, a minute in between Zeppelin and Stones for the, you know, the millionth time, and you know, I never went out of my way to be uh, different or to be any sort of, sort of shock shock, but I couldn't help to inject my Seinfeld esque humor into it. And yeah, no one else sounded like that, and it's not like, and I, I tried my best not to have an accent or to kind of fit in, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't just be another what we call a uh, liner jocks, who the ones who just read. I'm like, that's not going to be me. No. So this podcast is kind of giving me, and it's, it's very odd. You know, I, I've intertwined it with uh, my real radio job, but it's given me a lot of satisfaction because it's allowed me to be me. You know, and I love it. I love it. I love your, what, is that a ninja on your? <laughs> my, uh, that, my girlfriend just got me, uh, it's, a, it's a Leonardo who's hanging from my. I thought it was a ninja. Yeah, ninja, ninja Turtles. Leonardo. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a, it's, it's Guns N' Roses and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's all you really need to know about. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love your, the first thing I thought when I heard your voice was I love your accent, you know? Oh, okay. Where are you from? Yeah. I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. And I grew up and I grew up going to New York to see Broadway and different things. And then I moved to New York after college. And oh, I lived wow. in New York for a long time before I moved to California. I love oh. New York. It's my favorite place. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So before, because I know we only got you a limited amount of time this time, and uh, we talked off air. Hopefully, we can do a a reunion with uh, you and Roberta. On, on oh, that'd future. be lovely! Yeah. I want to give. I want to. Let me see if I can find the the tweet because uh, I want to credit the listener. 
because I just thought it was such a a funny thing to have both Roberta Freeman and <laughs> and Tracy Amos in my in my uh, my cell phone. I, I, I post. <laughs> well, yeah, I do have it. I found it. So uh, this is from Entropic Enigma Craig on uh, Twitter. He says you need to label them as nine seven six horns in your phone just for the uh, LOLs. Okay. <laughs> it made me laugh. We're not the horns. We're the background singers. Nine seven six horns, and then there's Roberta and Tracy. I know. I, it was a stretch. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he knew that. It was more of like a stretch of a joke, just to. Have you ever re- interviewed any of them, Lisa or Cece or not Anne? Yet. I want to. Not yet. Not yet. So maybe. If, do you still speak with the? Oh, I, or was that answered before with the? Yeah, no, I haven't spoken with them. We had so much fun on that tour. It was such a fun, unique time. What is the, what's the show that kind of stands out to you? Because it was, it was a long time. Is there one in particular that, in, in a positive way, it could be something that maybe we don't even think of where maybe you went out to eat to a special place after. Maybe, maybe the show, like you met your husband. Like what, or, <laughs> you know, maybe you walked in on slash going uh, to the bathroom or something like silly. <laughs> is there anything that stands out to you? Like uh, maybe a couple of shows. Oh my gosh. There's so many things. Um, let me think. One of the things I loved Wimbledon was my favorite when we did the Freddie Mercury tribute concert and the Paris pay-per-view was amazing and doing all the preparation and all the rehearsals for that with like Aerosmith and Lenny Kravitz and Brian May is really amazing. Amazing. Um, but one of like, I guess one of the funny, funny quirky things is just, um, I was kind of mentioning it earlier today, actually, I was sitting with Roberta backstage at the Wimbledon and slap. I mean, Axel was singing with, uh, Elton John and so we were right um, you know like probably like 12 feet away from them backstage and they're on the stage you know singing and I've never I've always I've met so many people as you can imagine and that are very famous and I've just thought of them as people and say hi how are you I screamed like a freaking Beatles fan losing their mind like Oh, like going, like when I saw Elton John start singing and Roberta punched me <laughs> and my shoulder said, stop, be cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I lost it when I saw Elton John. He's like my, ever since I've been little, like one of my biggest, amazing, uh, I can't, I see, I get teared up. I have tears in my eyes just talking about him. I love Elton. You know, so that was my, that would have to be my highlight, you know, like seeing Axel singing with him and, and Roberta punching me. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And of course, like, you know, rehearsing with everybody was amazing. When I first met them, I'll never forget how the whole tour came about. That's the other part that was really weird and amazing at the same time. I was singing in um, small bands and um, doing my own recordings in New York. And I was singing with um, a one band signed to TVT called Rise Robots Rise. And they have these very intricate, very interesting background parts. And we needed one more person for this big show at the Palladium. And it was going to be our biggest show ever. And so we brought in this new girl. That was Roberta. It's the first time I met her. 
and uh, she was recommended by her sound guy and she was really into it and we just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and uh, did the show. And she kept saying, I'm moving to LA after this. I'm just here in between tours. She was already on tour. I think it was with Motley Crue or it was with a couple of different Cinderella, Cinderella. Yeah. And so she had already been on big tours and she, um, we sang together and it was great. And so then she's like, bye moving. And she left. And so I'd only met her and knew her for a couple of weeks during those period, that period of time. And then she was gone. So I had wanted to go on a big tour while I was shopping my album to get an album deal. So my demo was done and I had it in the hands of the attorney to take it out. And so I don't know if you believe in this, but I believe in the power of, of intention and focus and bringing things into form, you know? So I literally was sitting with a candle every night, right? Saying, I want to go on tour. I want to go on a big world tour and I want to sing and I want to be on this and on stage and do that while my, my um, demos being shopped. And then I want to come back and record my album. And so literally while I was sitting there with my candle, the phone rings and it's Roberta and she's like, do you want to go on tours with tour with guns and roses? And I was like, Oh, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how it went down. It was so funny. And then, and then she was like, you have to fly yourself out. And if you get it, then they reimburse you. If you don't, they'll fly you back. I was like, Oh, I'm getting it. It's my tour. What are you talking about? She's (laughs) like, and I went out and bought all my gear and, went over there in my, in my gear and there we went. It was and great. It That's awesome. Walked in and I felt like I was walking into like a MTV uh, video because that's how they live is, ac- is exactly what you see is what you get. And Slash walks up to me with his hat on, his famous hat on with his Jack Daniels in his hand. Nice, nice to meet you. And there we go. <laughs> I, I love it i love that um roberta often says because she she says like axel was so great to both of you but she felt like and she's mentioned it a few times that he really fought for both of you to be there like the other guys you know not that they, they all were great but i guess they wanted to be kind of it was that it was that big change with gnr going from like a tight knit tight knit band rock and roll band to this orchestral Monster, which is the gene I grew up with. I'm going to be 37 yeah. later this year. I grew up with Tracy and Roberta and November Rain. So that's huge revolution. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my my GNR. Uh, to also give them a plug, I guess my GNRforum.com. <laughs> I don't know if that came for me. Uh, <laughs> did you ever get that that sense? How did you like feel on tour that you were, you know, a oh. part of the band, or how did you like, how were you I guess treated on tour? Well. Well, the way it was is uh, Axel wanted us, right? It was part of his vision, right? To have this, add the horns and add the background vocals. The um, rest of the band, they were like, no, they didn't want us. (laughs) And so Roberta was there before I was, you know, helping like, okay, well, what kind of other background, if I get the gig, who would, what do you want her, the other girl to look like, you know? Do you want us to be bookends? Do you want us to have different types of voices? Or how do you want the blend to be? So she was there before I came, helping them to conceptualize how to bring 
Axel's vision, which they didn't even want to bring to, to life, to life. He didn't even come to any of that. That was Roberta with the band. And then it was me and Roberta with the band. And then he came after the horns were there, after the girls were there to give his thumbs up or his thumbs down. And he gave us a thumbs up. But he basically was like, this is what I want. You guys put it together. Whether you like it or not, that's what I like. You know, wow. and so that seems like it was a gladiator kind of a, moment. You know, thumbs. It was up a kind of a love hate relationship, honestly, on the tour. A bit there was a bit of a, you know, we're costing more money. You know, we're costing more hotel rooms, and they're girls, and they're asking for stuff. You know that the roadies don't ask for because they're not roadies. <laughs> <laughs> And things like that. Like they had us in these heels that were like this high on a ramp that was not designed for background singers like this. It was designed like this for them to run around. Right. So it's like this and we're in heels. So we're like in the slant ready to fall into the stage. And they're like, well, we want you wearing those heels. And I was like, well, do you want us to fall off the stage in the middle of the show and you have a lawsuit? Like it was like always a little bit of a tug of war in the beginning until we got it straight. Then everyone got it and they saw Axel's. I remember when actually it started clicking and the magic started happening. And when the magic started happening and the band started seeing and understanding Axel's vision and not just seeing us as like an annoying addition to their, you know, taking away from their authentic rawness. When that magic started happening, the rapport changed. And everyone, there was less of a love hate. It was more like an appreciation and a, and a, you know, we're kind of like part of the band in a way feeling. Do you feel like it motivated you to be like kind of, I mean, since other than being Axel's vision to kind of, I don't want to say prove yourself, but just to show them that you're, you're, you belong there, I guess. Was there, or were you, were you say, you know, you know what, it doesn't even matter what you think. This is Axel's you know, whatever he wants is going to happen. Like, is where, well, it wasn't really, it wasn't really obviously clear that that was the situation in the beginning. We learned that as we were there. So in the beginning we didn't, I didn't realize anyway, I don't think Roberta did either that they didn't really want us to be there, you know, but then after they accepted us, then they were like, you know, we really didn't want you to be here, but we like you now kind of thing. So it wasn't like they, you know what I mean? The tug of war, in the beginning, I didn't understand it until the middle when I understood why we had that tug, tug of war over little things, you know, and figuring out logistics and how to, you know, treat ladies on the road kind of thing. So um, I, I, we didn't really, they weren't overt about it. They were gentlemen. They didn't tell us, we don't want you here, man. And nah, nah, nah. they weren't like that. They were kind to us. It was just more like with their management, think, working out things that there was always a tug of war. The guys were always kind and were always really cool. It, but Axel, it was his vision. And then as we were there and it started clicking and they started seeing the vision and we, they started getting used to us and started really opening and communicating with us, that's when we realized that we really weren't invited in the beginning by everyone we were demanded by <laughs> Axel. But then it started becoming part of who they were and use your illusion you know, that's how it is with music, I find. I've been in several different types of relationships in music, like with different producers, um, being a producer, helping different artists with their music, 
being produced by people that don't get me as an artist, you know, singing in background for a lot of different people in different situations where you can't, you can't just push your vision because then the music will be a discombobulated group of visions. It has to come to a cohesive magic. And sometimes you have to give and sometimes you have to take and sometimes you have to push because you know that's what it is. And sometimes you have to acquiesce because you have to trust that other person and the process. So what I'm speaking about is the natural musical process that always happens in when you're creating, especially something as, as, as um, powerful and magical as Use Your Illusion and the tour. It's just a natural part of the process. And you don't, know, you don't often know what's going on while it's going on. You're just, I was just like, wow, I'm here. They're amazing. I'm going to get down and have the best time and just be my full self on stage. Mm. So I just wanted to give my full artist, you know, self to help do what they wanted me to do. I wanted, I wanted my voice to create and my movements on stage to create, you know, what they, they were expressing. So I kind of just delved my whole self into the, their music so that I would become um, a part of it. You know, it would be inside of me while I was doing it. I feel so, all of that. Yeah. Well, I like all of that. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, you, you said a lot of uh, insane, you know, I can't believe this is happening to me stories, whether it's like a candle giving you guns or roses or, you know, just slash showing up in his top hat like it's a, you know, a cartoon. <laughs> is anything compared to Venezuela, that Venezuela show? Or I was, was not in Venezuela. You were not. You were not at that that infamous show. There was a period. I was. I was not on tour for one month. We had had a falling out for like one month over over pay, actually. Okay. And that's when they went to South America. Do so you miss that? Oh wow! Yeah, I miss that. My my husband, my ex husband, but my husband was on that part of the tour, so I know about it. But I wasn't there. Oh, I can. What was going through your mind? Like, were you kind of worried about your your friends and your? I don't know if he was your boyfriend at the time or or husband at the time, but that's got to be crazy. Like, I could have been there, and you see, like a military coup going to the country. It must have been. I don't know. That, that seems like otherworldly. You know, being on tour with Guns N' Roses was always kind of an epic, crazy adventure. Like. I remember it didn't it didn't scare me it didn't shock me it was kind of normal actually by that point because um we were backstage a lot of times when Axel was late getting to the venue and they were telling us if a riot breaks out this is where you run to and this is where the cars are have your stuff packed be prepared you know, for, you know, craziness, you know? So always kind of like that. Hmm? How often would that happen? Like every show they would say, be, par- be prepared for a riot? Not every show, but I, I can remember at least four or five times vividly. Mm-hmm. Do you know, uh, was there ever like a specific, I guess for what you remember, or if you feel like it's sharing that he, why he was late during that that time well, actually yeah 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 i remember now so so um it only happened 
like four or five times in the beginning because the head of our um, of the crew sat down with Axel and explained to, explained to him what happens when he's late. And once he realized that Axel's really, they're all gentlemen, actually. Every single guy in the band is an astute gentleman. I've heard they're wild. Like they're wild, you know, but they're rock and roll, but they're gentlemen. And so when Axel realized, you know, what his t- lateness was causing, he wasn't late anymore. You know, but he was bas- basically what I would say was cause would cause it is different things, a variety of different things. You know, he was doing something, catching the jet and flying in. And for whatever reasons, it was late, you know, all kinds of different things, all different reasons. But, you know, there's, often rock stars are divas. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like, that's I guess- normal. Yeah, we're I'm all, always late. I'm always late. Okay, so I can't. I was really just about to say that. <laughs> My allergist. I have to get out now. I have to get because uh, of quarantine. Since I'm now uh, stuck with my three cats or my girlfriend's three mm-hmm. cats. Well, they're mine. I love them. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. But I'm allergic, so I've now I have to get allergy shots once a week, and it's uh, in my house, and I still am late. So it's you know no no judgment. It's just uh, I keep I hoping yeah. that. Uh, the rumor of Axel watching, speaking of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I keep hoping that rumor of him being late because of he was watching Ninja Turtles 2 is true. (laughs) That would make me love him more. (laughs) It could be. I don't know what he was into into when it comes to that part. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And speaking of, because I've heard nothing but from Roberta and former and and even current members who I've had on the, the show that say nothing but you could tell it's genuine. You know, uh, it's not just like, oh, he's a great person. Like they're falling in line. You can see that, you know, when Gilby talks about Axel or Roberta talks about Axel or Duff, like you can see that there's like real, these are great people. You know, if we all have, I don't even want to call them faults, just everyday life shit happens. They just happen to have it on a, happen on a, a grand scale. So yeah. this kind of, I want to use this opportunity to ask you when it's based upon a little bit of uh, my previous conversation with Roberta Freeman. Uh, thankfully, they they banned the uh, Confederate flag from a lot of places like NASCAR, and you know, yeah. I, I, I guess it could be, you know, woo, woo, woo. progress. I'm ignorant to it. I I just th- grew up with thinking like it's, it's, and I'm a Northerner. I'm a New Yorker. I was like Duke's a hazard. I'm like I don't know. It's a Southern thing. I had no idea how bad it was. I look back like there are clips of like the Golden Girl episodes about this, and I'm obviously using just pop culture. I had no idea how offensive it was. I look at like Axl Rose or Tom Petty, no way were they doing it to be offensive wearing Confederate flags. That's my view of it. When, you, when he went on stage in a Confederate jacket, did, you, did they make you feel a certain way? Because uh, I asked her about one in a million and something that it's, I, I have to learn. Maybe just using that word in a poetic way uh, doesn't make it okay. So I don't know if you have any... I know it's a, it's a big transition of questions as far as uh, depth, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you, given everything that you work on, something tells me that you're passionate about this stuff. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I, I'm very, very, very passionate about it. But, you know, I, hmm, I would say that, you know, him using the N word, I, the way I took it when he said it, it was not being used. It was using in the context of how he was saying it 
he wasn't using it in a way that was defaming black people. But at the same time, it was lacking in the sensitivity of understanding the inappropriateness of that line, you know? And I think that's the whole thing. I think I look at it as like we're souls in human form, okay? So it really doesn't matter what color your human form is, Mm -hmm. except for the lessons you gain from that human form. You know, what family, what even your religion, they're all lessons for your soul. That's just my way of looking at it. So when I see someone, you know, that's into the Confederate flag, does it bother me? Does it offend me? I feel a little twinge, you know, if they're not being prejudiced on top of it, I just let it go as part of their, okay, they'll figure out that's not cool. You know, it's part of their path, but if they're using it in a manner that is directly hateful, um, that's a different story than I usually will not be in their presence. I would quit. I would, I would speak to them about it. I would speak against it. You know, it's, it's really, I'm mixed, right? Just like Roberta. I have actually some Judy, Jew, Jewish blood long, long ago, but okay. um, maybe that's why I look at it as we're souls and, you know, colors and the thing, but the biggest lesson for all souls, right? While we're here is why do you think you little teeny tiny ant on this big, huge planet in this huge universe that you're better than anybody else? And why do you think that it's appropriate to hate on someone in their little teeny bit of time of magic and miracle of being alive? Why, why would you think it's appropriate to hurt them and, or, you know, I just think that it's an illness in humanity. I really think racist racism and it's on all sides. It's not just whites and against blacks or blacks against whites It's in every society and, and uh, all across the world for, you know, in every way, just people just want to be better than someone else or, or think someone's less than them. It's judgment. It's just judging, judging, judging in a way that puts you in a better position than someone else. And I just think that that's the whole lesson we're not in the position to do that. It's inappropriate. It's hurtful and it has to stop. Period. Well said. And I agree with you where uh, I think about this a lot and this is how I feel, you know, before I even got into radio, as I try to, you know, growing up, I, I, I say I, I am Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed, but am I religious? No. I mean, obviously I'm looking at me. I'm covered in tattoos. So it's like, <laughs> still tr- and in, in today's political climate, I mean, I'm, I'm a nothing. I just, try to vote for good people. That's, I, I do my best to, to do that. But we're just a very arrogant species. Like you're, we really you're right. Are. We're here for such a blip. I think it's, uh, it was Neil deGrasse Tyson that said like our period of time is like the last second on like a calendar. Like if you just look at a calendar where like the very end December and it's like, we're here for such a blip. And like to think that we, yeah, our lives matter because you know, this is our lives. This is what we are, our consciousness tells us. But to think that one person is really better than the other and based upon skin color or class, it's just, it's a waste of time. You know, I, I try not to judge people based upon the music they listen to. That's hard enough. So I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, uh, this was, I mean, you are 
extremely intelligent. I, I not like I, I need to tell you that. I mean, I am. Well, yeah, we spoke briefly before the interview, but a lot of this I learned as we were going. I'm kind of blown away, but by the work that you're doing now and uh, all the stuff that's to come in the future. So I want to keep in touch with you and, and see what's going on because I'm excited to see. Uh, and I know my listeners are excited what you're up to and how we can help. You're talking about important things and, and in addition, just music because we're all bored. <laughs> we need stuff to listen to. We need a way to I'll send escape. You links. I'll send you links. I'll send you links. Links to causes, links to music, mine and other people that maybe haven't checked out. You know, we all just, I think it's cool being bored, actually. It, it's, um, it's a catalyst for change and curiosity and exploration and learning. This is an ambulance going by my apartment. See, I'm not in my, uh, <laughs> I wish I was in a, again, I wish I was in a in studio. Your studio. Yeah, but. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Where are you exactly? <laughs> Queens. Queens, New York. Queens. I miss Inside New York. Queens. I really, I miss New York. Yeah. Well, if the stars ever align, you know, uh, I told off ambulances. I told this to Roberta. She actually, she was so nice. Uh, she was going to, she did because her sisters, I think in New York and uh, she was going to visit like for a whole weekend or something. She's like, we're going to grab coffee. I'm like, Oh sure. But she's like, Oh, I can only stay for, I had to take a red eye. I can only stay for a day. I'm sorry. You don't need to apologize for me to me. I, it's the fact that Roberta Freeman like, wants to get, I don't drink coffee. wants to get a soda with me. Whatever. <laughs> That's cool. So if the stars ever align, uh, you know, we'd love to have you in New York as well. But uh, I no, I look forward to, to talking to you again and let's see if we can have a, a mini, another mini user illusion, user reunion on uh, Appetite for Distortion. I'd love to. That'd be so fun. And thank awesome. you so much for everything you do. And I'll send you some follow-up information. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. So that does it for episode number 207. I remember this time. It's hard to keep track of the episodes. It really is. I can't believe I've been doing this podcast for four years. And it's all thanks to you. I say it all the time. If you go back to the earlier episodes, I mean, when I ever go back to kind of, you know, listen back for a piece of information and I listen to myself, which I don't like doing, by the way, I don't like to listen to myself. So I'm glad that you, uh, you, you guys and gals bear it. But I've been consistent in saying how much I appreciate every single one of you. And it's the truth. So last episode, I put it out there. Uh, the question, where do you listen? What are you doing when you're listening? What are you doing? That sounds so creepy. Uh, this is from Joe uh, from Greece. She actually left his comment on SoundCloud. And also, because she's so cool, she left an inbox on my Facebook. There's a lot of different ways to contact me. So Joe from Greece said uh, she listens at home, drinking my coffee and playing Mahjong, my cell phone. It helps me concentrate on the language. <laughs> it's a great way to clear my head and at the same time meet interesting people. Thank you, Joe. Dave from the UK says he listens while he works driving around the uh, northeast of England, which is Brian Johnson country. <laughs> I like that. Awesome. Uh, Matt Gordon says on his phone, wherever, whenever he could fit it in, could be on the bus, could be on a front porch. Beautiful. That's, that's what I like. That's the whole point of pod. It's in he's on a little pod, wherever you are. Uh, Carlene says, I have to wait until everyone is out of the house, which is rare in these days in lockdown times. So why, Carlene? The other people in your house don't want to hear the AFD show? They need to learn about Guns N' Roses. You know, what's going on? Uh, Satya says, usually while working uh, out for the audio version and at my computer for the Zoom calls. Okay, so it's, it's, I like that. Because with the Zoom thing, I'm not sure if that's affecting how 
you loyal listeners, uh, you loyal bad apples are listening. Uh, Candace says, uh, oh, <laughs> she commented actually on Dave's comment saying Brian Johnson country. She's going to start calling it that. Uh, Rebel says usually on his way to work, sometimes uh, before going to sleep. Wow. I usually put people to sleep. That's nice. Uh, Ken Begora says usually at work. Jeff uh, says on his phone. Uh, Ryan Frazier says at work on my MP3. Uh, I appreciate Anderson's uh, comment of longtime caller, first time listener. <laughs> uh, reverse, but I appreciate it. And uh, Adam posts a picture of his little doggy. Looks like a golden retriever. Says he listens while walking the big guy. Awesome. Awesome. And I will uh, comment very quickly. Um, we did try walking our cats, my girlfriend and I. I don't know, because the two cats, we have three cats, uh, I may have mentioned at times. Uh, one was hers and two were, were dad's. Her dad just take, can't take care of them anymore. Uh, so now we have three cats. And the two uh, the two that we took in, they, they're used to kind of going outside. And I don't want them to go outside anyway, because... You know, indoor cats last longer, but we have a nice courtyard where my our, my uh, apartment is, so that seems safe. So we borrowed a friend's uh, uh, cat leash that their cat did not take to, and uh, yeah, <laughs> our cats. I don't know. I wish I had a cat that I could walk. Whatever. See, I could talk to Axel Rose about cats. See, this is I'm putting it out there. I'll talk to Slash about horror. I'll talk to Duff about uh, the Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> oh sorry i was putting it out there because we're still getting some great guests and tracy amos uh this is the latest one so until the next one uh keep uh, up to date on all the social media how to participate on what's to come and until then uh when will you see it well in the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy you'll see it i don't know if soon is the word security, I'm going home.